During a hastily scheduled event at the White House on Monday, President Trump directly condemned white supremacists and neo-Nazis in a brief statement to reporters, saying, quote, racism is evil and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists and other hate groups are repugnant to everything we hold dear as Americans, adding those who spread violence in the name of bigotry strike at the very core of America. But... They'll always have a home in my administration. The Trump Report starts now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Something that one was a mouthful. Uh, a lot of mouthfuls this week. Welcome to Trump Report. I'm Christian Blatt at Christian DMZ, joined as always, by Chelsea Galicia, at Chelsea Galicia, and semi-regular, but always a special guest, Drexel Hurd, at Drexel Hurd. And don't forget to follow the show at Trump Report ABTV. If you're watching us live on YouTube right now, jump into the chat. Let us know what you have to say on what is obviously, we were joking on social media, a very slow news week. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of a struggle to figure out what we're going to talk about, but uh, we soldier on. Uh, where do we start? Well, Infrastructure. As I, <laughs> as I referenced in the opening of the show, Monday, oh, Monday, it was a, a almost normal day. President Trump, he belatedly, but he still did the right thing. He condemned the Ku Klux Klan, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. He, he called them out by name. And it really seemed like, okay, it's a small step, but it's at least a step in the right direction. A little late, but okay. Th- you know, obviously somebody talked some sense into him. And then there was today when President Trump reiterated his uh, comments from over the weekend where he said there were, quote, many sides to blame for what happened in Charlottesville. Oh, today I think there's only two sides. So on Saturday there were many sides. Now there's only two sides. Uh, So um, that would be a tremendous step backwards in case you're keeping score at home. And uh, I wanted to start with uh, Chelsea. Give us your thoughts as this story unfolded. First, uh, in terms of the events in Charlottesville, President Trump's reaction, or I guess we should say non-reaction, reaction, reaction, re-reaction. Okay, will do. All right, let's see if I can remember all that. First, um, what to say about it is tragic and horrible and horrifying. And I I think the thing that should be talked about over and over, um, harped on, even extremely uh, to the extent that it's almost obnoxious is the fact that this was an act of domestic terrorism. And uh, I think we need to move money away from military abroad and bring it home to keep the peace and enforce the laws around here. Or or find more money and also put just as much money on home because uh, obviously there's well, some concerns the abroad. But do, Well, yeah, but... but the, I mean, I had a friend who was in the Navy, and he said on one training exercise, um, he flew, I don't know, I'm really unfamiliar. He had to dump a whole tank of gas, Yeah, and it cost $100,000. I have a I have a friend who's a Marine aviator. And I've then, heard similar stories and to then that, yes. He, and then he saw a report on the waste in Afghanistan, like, we send these huge trucks over there, but then they get a popped tire, and... They don't send them the tire. They don't have another. So the whole thing gets thrown out and they order a new truck. I don't know if that's as much about being abroad in Afghanistan or if that's just the way that the government does something. If a truck gets a flat tire, you throw it away and get a new one. But it's it's just wasteful. So that means that we can take that wasted money and bring it home and address the domestic terrorism problems because we've been putting a lot into the military because of terrorism, or that's at least what I hear from people, that they're, aside from the economy, they're most worried about terrorism. And they always, they, I assume that they're meaning a terrorism that comes from abroad, and now I think people should be just as, if not more, concerned about domestic terrorism. So that's my spiel on the no, which is a, and and domestic terrorism is a term that we've heard in the last what seventy two hours, but not as much, and certainly not from the White House. Um, we can uh, revisit that, but I uh, wanted to give Drexel a chance to chime in. We were uh, texting about this earlier this afternoon, and I said that you know yesterday's press conference, basically what I just said, was like, all right, you know, too little, too late. Well, but at least he's saying the right thing. But then today's press conference, it was basically like. To, to keep it semi-light around here, because that's what we do. It's basically like in Wayne's World, where you say something, and then you follow it up with, 
not. So right. today was a not press conference. It was like, you know what I said yesterday? Yeah. Uh, that didn't count. And You uh, guys, look at we're having a moment right here. Storage yard resident agrees with Chelsea. Oh, oh I, I wish I could take a, America. I wish I could take a screen grab of that. Um, <laughs> thank you, Jimbo. Um, but uh, and the interesting thing, and I'll get your thoughts about the whole thing. But uh, something that was sort of underreported. There's a photo of General Kelly off to the side while President Trump was speaking today, and it's. Um, it's sort of like that portrait in the White House of John F. Kennedy, where he's just he's got his head down. It's very somber. And you just, you could just tell he's like, well, what am I here for if this guy's going to do this and not listen to me? So, uh, Drexel, uh, give us your thoughts, obviously, in general. But if you'd like to start with today's press conference. I mean, where do you start? I, that's been you the just, problem with the whole putting the whole show together. Today. You know, favorite oh, quote. Well, I I don't have a lot of favorite quotes. First of all, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. I think we're we're well past people being surprised what Donald Trump does. I agree. Um, although, so, I, even so, though I think I shouldn't be surprised, I still and, am. And Chelsea and I talked about it right before. Like, you know, we're at this point now where we're un we're. We have to be unemotional, emotionally unattached to what right. the what's happening. But to still be, give but a still give, yeah, but but still <laughs> like be engaged in understanding what the consequences of this presidency is to American history. Um, but I want to touch on a couple of things because first of all, I hear what Chelsea's saying. I just disagree slightly, but we'll get to that in a second. Because oh, you're going to tease me with that? I am going to tease you. Because Stay tuned, uh, yeah. Faith. So I, I, I think there's a couple of things that, that I just wanted to address first. The president talked about uh, uh, the alt-left today, um, which what I what – I, what, Are we giving it like – are, are we uh, – Giving it uh, credence by calling it that. No, no, no. Well, he, well, he, he, used, he, used he used the term "alt left" today. Uh, what I found interesting. This is the first time what I've ever heard it. What I found interesting is that he did not you did not invoke Black Black Lives Matter in his statement today. However, we know that his supporters. Um, have been using that. David Duke used it again today in a tweet today, where he said, where he used, he actually used Black Lives Matter and Antifa in the same on the same line yeah. uh, in a tweet today. Um, but what people need to understand is that Black Lives Matter is obviously not a hate group. It's certainly not a terrorist organization like neo-Nazis, like white supremacists are in this country. There is no there is no destruction. There is, there is no hatred towards a, a certain person. There is a these are lives. Also, Here is, is there like a mailing address where you can write to Black Lives Matter? I'm not even trying to be I funny. Because like, like Ku Klux Klan, they I'm sure they have a PO box They do box have somewhere. a P.O. box. They're, they're I, but, an organization like that. To me, no, Black Lives Matter is more of like a movement. It is a know? movement. Yeah. So there is not an organization. And we've talked about this on political culture before where you know we always talked about where Black Lives Matter needed a leader to be somewhat effective. Um, but I think at this point, people are starting to recognize that uh, the idea that black and brown lives matter are essential uh, and and something that people need to be, you know, kind of give a shit about. Actually, that's a really good um, point because there are a lot of white people that are like, why don't black lives matter? Everybody's lives matter. And then now those people who had no idea what right. was going on are like, oh, because, I see what you're talking because about. Because of things like Charlottesville. It's like, it's like when you have... When parents are against gay people until they have a gay son, you know, unless something's in your face, Republicans uh, and a lot of Trump voters don't uh, respond unless something is in their face. You can't. A lot of the things that Donald Trump has said, um, he talked a lot about jobs today, um, where we know that's untrue. We know that the the millions of jobs that he's created in the six months of his presidency is not because of the policies of this administration. It is because of the policies of the Obama administration and the consistency in which 72 plus months of job growth has happened under President Obama is continuing under this presidency, where in, in six months you have Less, you have something like 175,000 jobs being created a month, which is lower than what Barack Obama was doing six months into his into the end of his term. Right. So I, I think that's a lie. But I, but it's not tan like nobody can see that. I think you can see what happened in Charlottesville. You can see what's happening around the country. You can see what's about to happen in Texas and Boston and 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 at Google in Atlanta, where these people are saying, "Here's where we're gonna be." They're kind of like. Um, um, what's that? What's that church group? Uh, Baptist uh, West, West, oh, Westboro Baptist, Baptist Church. church yeah. What we saw in Charlotte, Charlottesville was was the was Westboro Baptist Church times like ten. 
Right. These are people that would be out pro- protesting the Westboro Baptist Church right. protesting. Like these are like, you know, I mean, the Westboro Baptist Church, which is, is very extreme. I mean, they're they were originally known as an organization, you know, God hates and a slur for homosexuals. Right. I mean, that's how we first heard of that church. Right. So this is further out than that. Right. And yeah. the other part of that is, you know, Donald Trump talked today about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Like comparing George comparing past presidents of yeah. the United States to Confederate soldiers whose goal was to tear apart the Union. Yes. You you it it is crazy to me that and you saw that today with Fox News, the propaganda machine of the Trump administration. Tucker Carlson was talking all about slavery today. Why would you be talking about slavery when the president to compare the to compare presidents to slave? Not that they weren't slave owners, but you're just like you That's can't make that argument. Yeah, to, it's well, a weird to, angle to use to focus on the comp. Oh, uh, there was a message in the booth. Somebody <laughs> needs to lean to their Sorry. left. I, 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 yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Wait, I feel like I'm going to shove Drex out of the shot there. It's all right. It's a cozy, it's a very cozy environment <laughs> right. we have here on the Trump Report. Uh, President Trump's comments about, you know, basically comparing George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, it actually it made me think about it. You know, having statues to Stonewall Jackson, Robert E. Lee, Jefferson Davis in the United States. People who, the way that obviously we will look at it, you know, people that grew up in the North, we will look at them as as traitors. Uh, But having statues to them is almost like expecting, you know, in Trafalgar Square in London, like, can you put up a statue to George Washington? Right. You know, he's, of course, they won. So these are men who deserve to have statues. And um, But there's a way to teach history without glorifying. Teach history and to where people can understand the blemishes on American history, whether or not it's slavery, whether or not it's civil rights, whether or not it's uh, women's rights, whether or not it's gay rights, and how we, it took a while for us to move forward, and not glorifying the problems that existed. Yeah, and I heard something, and I, I, I believe me, I've consumed so much information, I forget where I heard it, but somebody had the idea of, you know, you, you take down these statues, maybe put them in an exhibit in a museum somewhere, and then you have it in that context, in that conversation. Right. Um, I know that this issue has really kind of blown up over the last few years. This isn't the only incident. I mean, I remember what was late last year in Louisiana. There were workmen wearing masks so that people didn't know who was taking down these Confederate statues. So, uh, Drexel, my understanding is that your background is is indeed in the South. Uh, So you probably have a little bit of an understanding about this because – on the one hand, you want to say, like, okay, well, how do the people in these states feel about it? But then at the same time, a lot of those state flags and state houses would fly the Confederate flag. So where is the balance between what the people of a state want in terms of honoring their history and also the way that other people in that same state would feel, oh, uh, that's you know a very ugly time in our history and they consider some of these things to be racist? Well, that's good. It's interesting because somebody brought up the vice. Um, vice was in Charlottesville uh, last week, and then they did a whole like a couple of series or whatever. But I watched something specific today about there was this guy who sat down to dinner with a white nationalist, and it was about a three minute clip that I watched today. I saw that too. And one of the things that people <clears throat> don't understand in the South. First of all, you've got a group of people, and I, t- I used to talk about this as a kid. I said, you know, when I ever, if, if and ever, when I ever run for president of the United States, which whatever, um, you take the if out of there. Yeah, uh, I, sa- I said that you know it would. Uh, this is you know back when I didn't really was really thinking about like how government actually worked, but I was like, you know what, I would require everybody to move into different regions. Like require Americans so, to shuffle themselves around, like we shuffle the yeah, like we shuffle the military around, right, 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 and study domestically. When you've got, I when, like you, it. when you've got a group, when you've got a whether or not you're from the South, whether or not you're from the whether or not you're from New York, whether or not you're from whatever region you're from, if you don't move out of that region, you don't quite understand what somebody else is going to. No, I mean, I definitely to, agree with that sentiment. I mean, as somebody who moved from New York to Los Angeles uh, 14 years ago today, by the way. Uh, wow. it's, a, it's, a, it's a stark contrast. And, of course, those two areas are not that different from each other. So right. it would be interesting if somebody moved you know, from <clears throat> the Ozark Mountains to Seattle. Right. You know? So I think that what people f- 
what those folks don't and what I got from this guy in the Vice um, video. video was that he what those people were afraid of losing this idea, losing whiteness, losing themselves. And being the minority. White people are always afraid of being... I think because they're afraid of the karma. Well, yes. They're afraid of what could happen, what's going to happen if they're a minority. Not that something bad's going to happen. they'll be treated the same way they treated all the other minorities. And you could could see that fear in the guy on the Vice video. You could see that fear in Charlottesville this weekend. That this idea of erasing history is somehow going to diminish their importance in the United States. And I think that that's what you see in how we got to Donald Trump where you had a lot of voters who didn't really care about what he said in terms of policy. Like, these people don't care. They know he's not going to get anything done. They absolutely have to know that at this point. I don't even think they care. They don't even care. But he is speaking to this idea of Amer- when, they, when they think um, – this is not – I'm not saying anything that we don't already know. When, they, when he says American, he means white. That's what they hear. And so – that's all yeah, they I mean, know. People have certainly taken "Make America Great Again" as "Make, make America, America White Again." again. Right. Yeah. So I think that you in the South, if you are not moving out of that region, that's all you know. So when it comes to Confederate flags, whether or not you're taking it out of the Alabama flag, whether or not you're taking it out of the South Carolina flag, um, Mississippi flag, yeah, those people don't want that because it is erasing how they were brought up and erasing their part part of their history. Sure, and I think that obviously in Some no parts pun of in, history are meant to right, be but in, in no way <laughs> do I mean this as a pun. Uh, you know, the idea of whitewashing that history is, is not the right approach either. I'm not saying that you're not right about the flags and the statues, but I think that people feel, you know, what, whether it was their great-great-grandfather or great-great-great-grandfather, however many greats you need to put in front of it, that fought and died on behalf of the Confederate Army, they're like, well, you know, I, I whether you feel like their ideals were right or wrong, they feel some sense of pride that, you know, my family served in the military for what they believed in. So I, I see sort of that little bit of the feeling. But then when it gets so much bigger and I, a meme that I saw a lot over the weekend on Facebook and Twitter uh, was that the Confederate flag was the ultimate participation trophy because huh. it's a reminder of something that did not go well you know, for the, the South and obviously uh, I've talked to Southerners enough in my life that I know that they do have a little bit of a sense of pride it's like you know it wasn't about slavery it was about states rights yes part of that was slavery and um, yes these are usually white folks that say this to me but they <laughs> feel very strongly that it's not it wasn't that cut and dry and I don't know it was before my time but uh, you know that's the impression that I always had um, so again Drexel I, I guess that You've kind of seen all that, but when North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper says, hey, we got to take those down, mm-hmm. that seems like to the rest of us who are what we like to consider logical, we don't live in North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, it makes sense, but uh, that's probably not great for somebody's uh, political longevity in, in that state. But. Right. In the sense that, well, he's putting this ahead of that because he thinks it's that important, it is commendable. But I also think that when you – to a good governor, and by governor I mean anybody who is in government. Like lowercase g. Lowercase yeah. g. Um, lists, understands the, the – has their ear to the ground and understands that if you're not on the right side of history at some point, then you're on the wrong side of history. You know, And so – uh, or if you're not on the right side of history at that moment, then you're on the wrong side. You're eventually going to be on the wrong side of history, and you want to make you want to jump the gun and make that that decision on your watch. And I think that Roy Cooper he said a couple things. So we saw the the um, the statue come down in Durham uh, yesterday, and people were tearing it down. And Roy Cooper said, "Don't tear it down. We will take them down, but you should not be vandalizing property, and you should not yeah. be doing that. And we should do it the right way." Now. Okay, to logical people, that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but I think we live in this world, this 24-hour news cycle where everything has to happen right now, right now, right now, right now. And um, I think it's very hard for um, politicians to catch up. And uh, and they need to – and Roy Cooper had to make that decision. And I don't think that – I think that when it comes to North Carolina history – 
you know, there there are some shitty things that happen in North Carolina history. And but you to your point, you can put it in a museum somewhere. Like when they excavate dinosaur bones, they don't like <laughs> make a statue out of them. They put them in a museum, even though, you know, that's that was what's here in our land. Right. So this they're erasing us thing is a little BS. To but me. that's why I said, I said, I think it really goes back down to people are afraid of erasing a part of the history that they thought they knew. They might not, you know, if you look in the history books in Texas, if you look in the history books in North Carolina, um, some of those states don't even, aren't, aren't writing the Civil War like they should probably be writing them. Um, so, uh, and, and so that can confuse a lot of people. So they're like, well, why wouldn't you? I mean, these people were Americans and they're part of American history. And yeah, to us, you're like, okay, I can understand that argument if these people were not trying to destroy the country that you think is so great. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, I don't know. I mean, obviously we could talk about that facet of it uh, for the rest of the show. I did see a good comment that I wanted to agree with. It was from R. Scott Brown. It was a little higher up. Um, you know, commenting on the fact that the swastika is banned in Germany. Yes. And I I was talking to a um, psychiatrist earlier today, not one that treats me, but um, just... Just wanted to go on record in case you run for vice president along with Drexel. <laughs> and I, um, I, I was asking, you know, what what can be done to change their hearts and minds? And he says, there isn't really anything that you can do. These are people who are acting out trauma, as people do. And that what we have to do is make it that it's just not allowed to to do what they're doing, to hold up what they're holding up. He said, I understand that there's a whole First Amendment argument against that. But when you look at the exceptions to the First Amendment, violence being one of them, although, you know, it's it's not just, you know, any... Um, anything about violence it's something it's like inciting violence it's like imminent violence um and i think that the argument can start to be made that this you know group is um is i think violating the first amendment i I just want to point out because somebody in the chat room said uh you can take down the Confederate flag, but don't take down generally. I don't know if that was a sarcastic remark or not. Or were they talking about um, the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazard? I, I don't know. Because that car belongs in a museum. Uh, <laughs> but my question is, my my, my th- that's really funny to me because General Lee basically flew under the like they're basically the same thing. They they yeah. they stand for the same thing. So if, if you're fine with taking down the Confederate flag, you should be fine with taking down a statue of General Lee because. The Confederate flag was there to break up the Union just as much as General Lee. Like a symbol is a lot, you know, the, the person elevated the symbol. Yeah. And and that's the, the, the taking down General Lee is taking down. Um, I think something that, I heard from a lot of, you know, Trump supporters after he was elected was, you know, uh, give first of all, give him a chance, which, you know, I want to know where those people are now on. Did we give him a chance long enough? Did you see that? It didn't work out so well. Um but the other part, wow, you in California live in a bubble. Well, as, we, yeah. as we established, but, Drexel. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Has, I, I'm not from the California. <laughs> right. I went to college in North Carolina. I'm from the South. My dad's in the military. And you I'm from pretty much everywhere. Yeah. So don't give me that bullshit about <laughs> you live in a California bubble. Uh, but finish your point, Chelsea. I don't before. even remember it at this point. Okay. Um, but uh, the uh, – so – the point I was going to make, though, was sort of talking about the First Amendment. And one of the great things about living in America is that if neo-Nazis want to march down, uh, you know, Main Street in any town USA with their signs and all that, they're allowed to. It's just when it crosses beyond the, you know, marching, whatever you're commemorating or trying to prove. And... Um, what, what was with the tiki torches? I mean, you couldn't do better well, than that. What they could afford. Okay. But see, so here's the thing. I, I'm wondering if, you know, the symbol of the Confederacy and uh, marching with, with torches is enough of an incitement of violence to therefore not be protected by the First Amendment. And I... I it would be. I hope one of them was arrested and then the, the case is going to go all the way up to the Supreme Court. I doubt it, but... And that's the only way that we would find out is if one of the protesters um, 
was arrested. And if and if people don't see the first Amendment, if people don't see the the connection between the torches that were used this weekend and the torches that were that were brand that were. what is that branded brandished brandished yeah. uh um you know back in the 50s 60s uh then then they're living probably under some rock because i mean the, the images were parallel and there is no mistaking like i watched this one kid today the one who the, the the photo of the kid that was screaming yeah was on the news today not on his like local news and he was like well i was just there and then my friends and then i got caught up in all that no you didn't we saw the photo yeah like don't try to pretend like you were the one screaming also, sweating and walking and carrying a torch around like you knew why you were there yeah and, and, and you know look it's also not like something you know shameful happened you walked by a park where Nickelback were playing and you started singing along because you realized, oh, I kind of like those. No, you got caught up in it. Doesn't excuse you from participating in a neo-Nazi rally. Right. So it's interesting sort of some of those things, you know, because all of a sudden people started losing jobs. There were stories about, uh, you know, family members being disowned. Yeah. And all of a right. sudden it's like, oh, th- this, this is real. And uh, I guess all of a sudden people are like, Oh, you know, not not so much white power, but white power. Do, small W. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do want a couple, sure. a couple of things real quick because we talked about uh, you know military. So the commandant of the Marine Corps tweeted today. Now the crazy thing is, is that there's the commander in chief, and then there's the generals that have to listen to the commander in chief. You know, um, but the commandant of the Marine Corps tweeted out today. Um, Robert Neller said, "There's no no place for racial hatred or extremism in the United States Marine Corps. Our core values of honor." Courage and commitment frame the way Marines act and live. When you have the commandant of the Marine Corps having to remind the troops that the president of the United States, that that that, that is not the way that the Marine Corps works. That, that is a that problem. That your commander in that chief, your does, chief not is, does not represent the values of the Marine Exactly. Yeah. Is crazy to me. And, you know, we just did, you know, a couple weeks ago where we talked about the transgender ban. When we talked about blacks in the military, we talked about gays in the military, we talked about women in the, mil- women in the military, we talked about transgendered um, Americans in the military, we talked about how dis- – people talked about how disruptive they were and how disruptive they could have been to unit cohesion. But there is nothing more disruptive to the United States military than the commander-in-chief being the disruptor. And so when you have the commandant of the Marine Corps and then eventually, I'm sure, the other – when you have the Coast Guard – commandant coming out and saying sorry you know we're going to continue on doing what we're doing that that should be more frightening to the american people as the president's first duty as commander-in-chief than anything else and it is you know as a military kid that's a little bit scary when you've now you're like well what's the military going to do because now they have to figure it out. Do they follow the orders from this guy who do not share the same values as they do? I have faith in them that they won't. Well, I mean, they don't have a choice. That, that, well, but, but right, they, but they, at the they, same time, people on the other side made that argument about, well, what about soldiers who don't believe in what President Obama represents? And ultimately, when you do get an order from the commander-in-chief, it, you it have does to have to get it. implemented. Uh, however, do you want to say that when we do the nuclear showdown? Right, but there's there's two arguments. First of all, the, the nuclear codes, that's... That's a that's a complicated situation because the president can't just push the button by himself. There's like a there's like Secretary of Defense. And there's a couple people that it has to go through before that. So we're we're, we're kind I, of in, good. A, in a weird way. Um, I feel like Cheney has to still sign off. Oh right, right, right. I feel right. like from you the, can't, from yeah. the bunker. It, yeah. Um, but. There's also the side. There's also the impeachment side. And I know we talk about it a lot. I don't. I don't know how well, what, Scott the, what the line is. Right. But there's also the dereliction of duty side when sure. it comes to being commander in chief. If the president is derelicting his duty to command the troops in the way that he's supposed to, that, to me, is an impeachable offense because you are not doing your job. And that is something that I think Congress has to look at. And, you know, we, like I said, if, you, if, if, if Republicans who are military, um, who, who have that military background or who, like Chelsea said, who are very in, invested in the military um, are interested in military readiness, then they're going to have to remove this president. Well, uh, I think that, uh, you know, basically add that to the list of reasons (laughs) people are putting out there. Um, What obviously, uh, you know, President Trump was 
you know, the reaction to his comments today about the both sides in Charlottesville got reactions that included an abomination, shocking and racist. But I do want to talk about what he's referring to. And we touched on it earlier in the show when he's saying both sides, what he's talking about. And part of that is this sort of anti-protester group. And again, this Antifa is also not someone who has a mailing address. It's just sort of a loose cohesion of different groups. But when they show up, things do tend to get violent. And uh, Drexel, you weren't here. But if uh, Chelsea, if you remember, when we had our friends from based in L.A., Jeffrey Mark Klein was talking about when they were up at Stanford. That's basically who was there. And, and it sort of turned a little extra violent there. So the idea that both sides are to blame is for me personally, anyone can feel it the way they want. That's crazy. But when you have somebody show up who is basically a shit disturber and they do tend to resort to violence, that's not going to help. I think that this situation was already out of control. But go ahead. I, I was just going to say, this reminds me of when I was a kid and my sister and I, we never got along. And what would happen is that I... Uh, I think she might, like, kick me under the table, right? Mm -hmm. And then I would kick her back, and she, ow! You know, like this big, huge reaction. Right. So, and then my parents would just say, stop fighting! I don't care who's... Because it, it's your fault, that Chelsea. Didn't, that didn't help the situation. It's true. Um, both of you are to blame. Okay, maybe, but you're not really looking at the situation and, and uh, addressing it. And I thought something really interesting that David Gergen, of all people, said, <laughs> you know... If, if Trump is going to be, you know, loving and bring peace and unity to this country, he's got to deal with the hatred in his own heart first. Um, it's an interesting observation, for sure. Right. I, but I, um, but to, you don't of, think that's going to happen? Is that? Um, well, I don't know. Look, even the Grinch's heart grew three sizes that one day. So <laughs> I don't want to rule out anything. Uh, but to sort of get back to this violent response, it's hard to figure out what else ought to have happened because by accounts from both sides of this, they both have criticized the Charlottesville police, the Virginia State Police, for basically standing on the sidelines as violence erupted. And I feel like when we've seen Black Lives Matter related protests and things, uh, the cops don't stand on the side. So I'm not quite sure what this was and why. The th most surprising thing about this was that the police didn't get involved until it was declared, I'm using quotes, an unlawful assembly by Governor Terry McAuliffe. And you hear that name and you go, all right, but isn't this a guy who has his ties to the Clinton administration? Wouldn't you think he would handle this sort of thing better? Um, you know, there's a, there's a word that people use a lot that I don't throw around much because I always feel like I'm going to misuse it. But wouldn't he strike you as a guy who is, as they say, woke? But instead he's like, well, no, 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 just just let them let them go. So that was probably the most surprising thing was the I mean, obviously, there's so many surprising things. But in the moment, you're like, well, why are the police not getting involved? And there could definitely be great reasons why. Maybe it's just as simple as the governor's like, whoa, hold off. So, yeah, everybody would be up in arms that they weren't free to express their First Amendment rights right. and it, the government I, is stopping them from expressing their speech. Sure. Definitely a lose-lose for the governor. Yes. Like, I don't think there is – his response – his response, his actual like speech response was great, um, um, you know, because I'm sure at some point he's, you know, thinking about running for president. But um, I think that for a governor like that in a state like Virginia, after everything that the police has gone through over the past few years yeah. – I'm just playing devil's advocate. Not that I'm sure. I, mean, I think absolutely. that they. I'm sure. I'm sure there could have been a, a, a better response to what was happening. I mean, it seemed like they were just like, "Well, let all the white people kill each other, and then that's what you could do." Um, but I think that maybe the governor said, "We don't want a repeat of what's been happening in the other cities. Let people do what they're going to do, and then if it gets too crazy, then do that, and then we'll have to step in." And uh, and maybe that's what the governor said to them. Um, but to outsiders looking in, to people who have watched Ferguson, to people who have watched other uh, cities, kind of Baltimore and things happen, um, yeah, it's a little shocking that the police did not respond in the way that they because have been the, in yeah, the past. They have definitely been responsible. And, and so, you know, it's a like I said, it's lose lose. And like Chelsea said, it's it's one of those things that you're like. Uh, you can go in and see what happens, and then you're going to get blamed for it either way. 
uh, in the chat, either Nick Y or Nikki, I'm not quite sure, but uh, welcome, by the way. I don't think I've seen you here before. Uh, McAuliffe, <laughs> McAuliffe declared an emergency after the local emergency was declared. It was not an unlawful assembly until it was an unlawful assembly. So that's a little bit of an explanation there. Right. Uh, as I was putting my notes and my thoughts together uh, about all of this, I think the one of the hugest part of the problem <laughs> here is that this is a very difficult issue to navigate you need a very strong leader you have to have a skilled orator to not yeah. stir things up right but we don't have either of those and it reminded yeah. me of the line from uh, cool hand luke also in the guns of roses <clears throat> song civil war what we've got here is a failure to communicate and president trump is is not really the guy to be out in in front of this i mean the real hero here would have had all the guys with torches arrested because that's um, inciting and threatening violence and then let that case go up so that we can once and for all find out if this is protected speech. Right. Uh, Yes. I think that there's the other part of that we just have to be very realistic with the fact that (laughs) I mean the president said he, he, you know, he came out today and said, you know, he wanted to get all the facts, which we know that's not true. Oh, that was hilarious. I mean, it's just it's crazy to me that this president said, I was just waiting on all the facts. Three well, where days. are you? Where are you? I like facts. Well, I, I think you know. that the problem was that, uh, you know, the the uh, Fox News morning show didn't cover it on the weekend. So he needed oh, the Monday morning. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Fox and Friends. But, he needed but, the Monday morning Fox and Friends. But I, but I you know, again, I want, because somebody just said, somebody in the chat just said that Donald Trump was a strong leader. Like, uh, there's been no policy that the, that the Trump administration has put forth uh, that has strengthened the United States. I mean, States. I guess the question there's, is, is in what way? In what way? But the other part of that is, if, if he is a strong leader in strengthening white supremacy in the United States, if that is if that is a way that you think that Donald Trump that that if that is you think Donald Trump is a strong leader, then you're absolutely right. Donald Trump is a strong leader. Donald Trump. And I said this before – last year we were doing um, uh, Trump versus Hillary. And I remember having this conversation about whether or not we thought Donald Trump was racist. And I remember saying, I don't think Donald Trump is racist. A few times. And then today I'm watching this guy give this press conference and I'm like, this Donald Trump guy is a racist. Is it that or is it more – well, some of my best friends are racists. You know, is no, he no, no, racist no, no. adjacent, or you feel no, like because he's I think, actually I racist? I think that I think that you know, over time. Here's the thing. At first, I was like, well, Donald Trump is so stupid that he might just not know any better. But then you start to see over time, from um, you know, from the way that he handled his hotels to the Indian reservations to the to, the, to his first speech out the gate when he was started to run for president to how he's now dealt with this situation. Donald Trump does not care about minorities in the country um, because those are not the people that he was speaking to during the entire campaign. Um, because if he did, then he would have come out. General Kelly and his and, and the staff probably would have had a better speech. Steve Bannon would be gone. Steve Miller would be gone. Steve Miller would have never gave that press conference that he gave two weeks ago Yes, had Donald Trump not been a racist. If you are fostering NAACP um, uh, came out, uh, tweeted the other day, you can't, they said something like you can't, um, you can't be against white supremacists, white supremacy if you've got that in your, in your, if it's a part of your, your staff or whatever. And if you're surrounded by that, then you are what you lead. Um, I wanted to sort of touch on the bigger picture before we ran out of time. And obviously, as, as something that we've seen a lot, social media, we've heard people talk about it. There's this sort of underlying theme that what this all comes down to is that America is a racist country. And it's very easy for me, a guy in his early 40s, white guy sitting here in this fancy studio, and I can say America is not a racist <laughs> country. I'm not saying that. I choose not to believe that... It is entirely a racist country, but rather, to me, a country that has a number of racist people who can sometimes be very loud, but of course, a very long, terrible history of racism. I'm not trying to dispute that. I just don't want to believe it. And maybe I'm being naive, sort of like you were saying, the idea that, no, Donald Trump's not racist. I am still of the frame of mind that maybe he's just too stupid, more than anything <laughs> else. But I, 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 so I just like to think that it's it's a country that, is trying to do better, but, you know, they could try a little harder. Uh, you know, 
but it's also kind of contingent to reacting to events like this. And what I saw a lot was saying that white people need to look in the mirror and realize that they're racist. Their families and friends are racist. And I find, well, I find that characterization to be racist to say that you see all those white people there. Well, that shows us that white people are racist. I'm like, well, you're completely missing the point, you know, and I'm not saying that there aren't racists. I'm not saying that these people weren't racist. I'm not saying any of that, but just the idea is like, why are you painting white people with this brush that you would also not want to be painted with? You know what Oprah said? I don't know what Oprah she said. said. When you know better, you do better. Actually, I think that was a young Vincent. But still, no, maybe it was Maya Angelou. There was somebody black. But <laughs> imagine if I had but, said that. You know, it was somebody black. Pam Greer, maybe. But 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 when you know better, you do better. To, to your point. To your point. But somebody in the chat room asked if we are all liberal panel. We do. I, at least I, I don't. And if uh, and I'm sure Chelsea does not. Um, make it. Um, it's not. A, it's no secret. Um, our affiliation uh, and and our liberal background. So if you have a problem with that, um, you should probably go over to Fox News um, or, or 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 hang out when Stephen Helmkamp comes back. But uh, right, where is that guy? <laughs> he, he's been watching an inconvenient sequel on loop for. Oh, a few weeks. I saw that this weekend. Uh, no, but- and and you know, obviously that is always one of the knocks on this show is that we don't have a conservative voice. We try to, and sometimes I invite people on the show that I think are going to have a conservative right. voice and then I realize like oh they hate Trump but, so much but here's the that thing. they're just going to agree with everything that right. happened very recently but I think, and, I think, and I think people forget the difference between like I'm a pretty moderate Democrat I mean oh, yes. if you watch yes, if you yes. watch uh, political culture it's coming back in a couple weeks um, say, you will say find say the day come on get the plug <laughs> out there um, uh, which is coming back on September 5th Tuesday, um, September, Tuesday 5th. September 5th it'll be right Chelsea. before this show it'll yep. be at 6 o'clock it's, it's, Pacific it's the Tuesday news uh, Tuesday news night the power the power well, I was going to say power hours, hours but it's power two hours, hours. Yeah. Um, that we can have a conversation on policy like I said I, there was Chelsea brought up something this morning uh, early this morning um, uh, about the military funds obviously it's something that I disagree with however we can have those conversations about policy and and be somewhat moderately con, you know conservative in certain policies. When it comes to Donald Trump, he is neither a Republican nor he is a nor is he a conservative. Donald Trump is, for all intents purposes, I, I couldn't tell you what well, he is. But I think that you're probably giving the Republicans a little bit too much credit by not allowing. Oh, Trump they to absolutely own him. They absolutely own him. What I'm saying is is that for a traditional Republican. That is not Donald Trump. For a traditional conservative, we want to have, to have conversations about policies. That is right. not Trump is the new Donald Republican. Trump. Yes, and so if you vote Republican, you're voting. Then you're voting Trump-esque-ness. Yes, but if you're watching this show, if we're talking about the shit that Donald Trump's dealing, that doing every day, or the press conference that he's having today, or calling out fake, calling people fake news, or not being able to listen to the people on the ground next to him that are trying to do uh, their jobs uh, yes. in running the country, the then yes, we can. Yeah. Then yes, we can. That's what you're going to get from us. We are not anti-Republican. We are not anti-conservative. We just disagree with their policies. We are, however, anti-Trump, and that <laughs> is something that people are just going to have to deal with. Can and we change the name of the show to no, the Anti-Trump no, because, Report? <laughs> because the whole point is that you're reporting on Trump. Oh. And look, the approach that I had to this show was very different because I never imagined what these last <laughs> seven months would have been like. I felt like, all right, well, let's let's see how it goes. The, the guy won, and right away people were like, well, did he really? Yeah, he became president, and then let's see what he does. But you were saying earlier, Drexel, that you're not surprised. I think I can't be surprised by him. And every show I do of this show... Tuesdays at 7 Pacific on After Buzz TV. Thank you. I am usually surprised about something. I'm like, I can't believe that this happened. But today is so much further beyond anything that had come before. I was like, you know, I felt yesterday when he made the speech, like I said, it was like, ah, you know, it's it's not entirely too little too late. It's definitely too late. But, okay, it's a step in the right direction. He's getting some sense. And I thought I knew what this show was going to be like. And then that... That right. was this afternoon. That wasn't even that, that – that was late in the day. I was like, all right, well, there went everything I was expecting right. to talk about today. Right. So it's very happened? hard to be rational yeah. to like, like calmly could, assess the Trump administration. In a normal presidency, we would have been talking about Donald Trump's infrastructure 
idea today. I can't even call it a plan because he never has a plan for anything. Um, and we would be, but he has the best. We would plans. be talking about that. We would be talking about how Elaine Chow was like ball and chain right now because she can't do anything because she's got Mitch McConnell. Like Mitch McConnell is kind of ball and chain because he can't really do anything. Mitch McConnell barely said anything. Paul Ryan, where are these people? Where's the vice president? Vice president is in Latin. America. He is so far away from what's <laughs> happening right now. He's like, I'm just going to let which this. It's something that didn't get much coverage, by the way. Mike Pence came out very strongly right. against. The white supremacists, the neo Nazis. Right. Uh, yeah, he came out very strongly. But against they're not that. listening but, to Mike Pence. No, but before Trump said anything, it was like I think that that was one of the approaches. Was like let Melania, let Pence take care of this. Melania, tw- the Flotus Twitter account had a stronger tweet. So statement. did Ivanka. So did Ivanka. Then the president. I of the think States. Jared Kushner. Right. I'm pretty sure Barron actually right. very strongly. And I know we're not supposed to joke about him. I'm not really. Right. He probably. I think he very strongly <laughs> condemned it. But, even Steve Bannon. Even Steve, right. No, well, okay. no, that's that's but here's the thing. Uh, here's why I say I'm not surprised. And, you know, uh, this is not a rehashment of, you know, Hillary versus Trump. However, Hillary Clinton did a whole 45 minute speech on where we are today. About where we look at Donald Trump right now. Barack Obama had a whole speech about where we are. Michelle Obama did an impassioned plea to the American people to remind them of what Donald Trump is and who he would be as president. She said in her speech, the presidency doesn't change you. It shows us who you actually are. And today we were reminded of who the president of the United States actually is, which is why I go back to the to the generals on the ground and say the generals are having to do their job and they're having to protect the country in the way that they know by by slowly reminding the troops that this is not the way to do things. Uh we are almost out of time and we touched on it very briefly. Uh, so in our final minute here, really, let's talk about something completely different, but it's a reaction to this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, today, President Trump, he ripped into the business leaders who resigned from his White House jobs panel. Now, this isn't like a cabinet post. It's sort of more an informal greeting, gathering, whatever you want to call it. And just people who were supposed to talk to him uh, about jobs. But... Uh, it was interesting because as soon as they resigned, he said they're not taking their job seriously as it pertains to this country. So uh, I was going to give credit to everyone who resigned. Uh, Merck, Under Armour, uh, AFL-CIO, which was surprising that they were there. And Walmart sort of half-heartedly were like, well, we didn't like what he said, but we're Walmart, so we're going we're gonna to stick around a little bit longer. Um, and I think that that probably is the sort of thing that's – as terrible as it is, the the way that race was mishandled over the last 72 hours, the fact that where he's supposed to be doing the best, jobs, the economy, those are the people that are supposed to like this guy and be glad that he's there. The fact that they're like, mm, no, 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 no. <laughs> right. uh, I think that that should be more telling. I don't think it'll change anything he does. He's still on his working vacation, right? I mean, I think because he's, he's, he's in New, New York, York right now. Yeah, right? He's happy to Which be I back. Which I just passed down. I passed Trump Tower when I was in New York uh, last week. And I was like, oh, it's a good God. thing he wasn't there because you, it would have slowed you down by so, probably like 45 right, minutes. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I, I he's not even working and, and this is all going on. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I wanted to give you each a chance to sort of uh, have a final, you know, 30 seconds or so. Uh, Chelsea, as you heard the news about the CEO. Obviously, it doesn't necessarily have to be surprising, but what do you think it signifies? Um, hopefully, it signifies to the American public that CEOs, the you know these the people that Trump says are the job makers of this country, which most of us know are they're not in fact the job makers. That small businesses are the job creators of America's of America and not big business. But when those CEOs no longer want to have anything to do with him, that should say something to the public about the, this big business's faith in this man. Um, because if um, there was... I think that these... All of them were men, except like the, the Pepsi leader. They're all men. Um, that these men probably thought, look, this is so despicable. And what we're saying has no influence over him, I'm out. If they felt that they actually had some influence over the economy and his decisions, they probably would have stayed and come out with some statements such as we, you know, condemn these actions, but at the same time, we're here to help with a different part of government and we can offer 
you know, our service and experience to improve the economy. And so for the American people, we're going to stay. But because they haven't done that, I think that they all feel like, I don't want to be associated with him. I can't make a difference because I did know somebody, or actually I'm hearing the second hand, of a doctor who was on the transition team and uh, I think was asked to stick around but then just didn't because Trump didn't listen to him or anybody else. Interesting. Uh, Drexel, uh, um, sort of to tie it all together. No, it's okay. I, I was just going to say that um, there's two things. I, I agree with Chelsea on that. I, I also agree that businesses are terrified of the backlash that they would get if their CEOs did not um, resign. I mean, the, I mean... Yeah, I the mean, backlash I, I, would be crazy. Under Armour was definitely facing protests, they, right? So. And I also, I also think that um, it's not just CEOs; it's the AFL-CIO. Like they, the, uh, uh, their leader resigned today. Um, so I don't think that Donald Trump, again, like I said before, has had no effect on the economy, has had no effect on job creation, and, and these guys are starting to see that. Uh, any deal that Donald Trump has touted, whether or not it's uh, uh, bringing jobs to Illinois, whether or not it's any of the manufacturing jobs that he has touted has not been because of what Donald Trump has done. It is because of something that Barack Obama has put in place and that has been um, that it, they, it has just now come to fruition. Or so if he it, did save any jobs, it was much many fewer than he, right. he's, he right. put out. Um, but on the other side of that, somebody brought up North Korea because we because North Korea uh, backed like they've been backpedaling on on um, on attacking on Guam, Guam next yeah. month. However, I just want to point out that somebody tried to give Donald Trump credit for that in the chat room, and I'm like, no, 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 Benjamin Slade, whatever your name is, <laughs> you do not give you do not um, give Donald Trump credit for that because it was China that imposed so many like in, like tariff. Uh, um, uh, import and export things on them in the past few days that that put the pressure on North Korea to back out of that. This has nothing to do with Donald Trump's <laughs> threats. It has everything to do with well, the fact that North Korea's ally, China, <laughs> next door, said, hang tight, don't do anything stupid, which, but right now we're going to withhold a few things so just so you could bring it back. Pat myself on the back. That's exactly what I said last week, that China is never going to let anything like that happen. Never, anyway, ever. Out of time, and we will, uh, unfortunately, probably have to talk about uh, North Korea more next week. But uh, thank you so much to everybody in the chat. There was a great conversation going on in there, and we really uh, didn't have as much time to uh, read them. Tweet at us, at Trump Report ABTV, and if you're watching this after the fact, leave us a comment. We'll read them next week. Thank you so much to uh, everyone, and thank you to Drexel Hurd, at Drexel Hurd, Chelsea Galicia, at, Chexel, <laughs> at Chelsea Galicia. I somehow merged your names together. And uh, we will see you next Tuesday, August 22nd, my eighth wedding anniversary. Why does every time I do this show seem to be like my son's birthday? Anyway, uh, we will see you at 7 o'clock Pacific time right here. Thanks, everyone. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 